0: My name is Tim Porter, and I, once again, will be your preacher this morning. Uh, and we are cruising through the book of Mark. Uh, we're in uh, the end of chapter 4, and, the, it, it, and we're going to make it through chapter 5 today. We're moving at a pretty good, moving at a pretty good pace. Um, the, I, we talked about uh, the greatest fear of all time. Look at that. Perfect timing. Greatest fear of all time. We're trying to intertwine that with... Uh, with the book of Mark, and we've talked about Jesus as the greatest rule breaker of all time, and we've talked about Jesus as the great storyteller of all time, and this morning we are talking about Jesus, right, and we're, we're t- going through the Bible, going through chapter five, and we're going we're gonna to discuss Jesus and the greatest fear of all time, right, the, the fear of God. I'm going to try to put the fear of God in you uh, this morning. Lord knows some of you need it right? Just kidding. We all, we all need it, actually. So, if I were to take a poll and uh, ask you guys what, what your greatest fear of all time would be, we'd probably get the, uh, the standard answers, um, you know, public speaking, which is a little scary, uh, heights, spiders, which we just snagged a giant spider in the back before service started. Uh, I had to work through my, my fear. Uh, snakes. But actually, I, I did have a fear. Uh, my greatest fear at one time was bees, right? And before you judge me and say that's pathetic, bees are not that big of a deal. And they're not. Uh, but you don't know. You don't know my story. My dad kept bees in the back of our house, right? Just in, in our backyard. He had, all kinds of, he had all kinds of bees. And I had a friend that lived just behind our house. And I had to walk by the bees you know, these five different things of bees to get to my friend's house. And I would—I remember, you know, I was probably five, six, seven uh, when, we had, when we had bees. And I remember, like, talking to myself, like, easy, Tim. Take it easy. Just walk slow. Bees can smell fear. I don't know if they can. So I would, you know, so take it easy. It's fine. It's just a bee. It's not going to hurt you. And then what would happen, right? Bzzz, right? You'd start to hear it. I, you know, you can't see it. And I start to freak out. And say, Screw it, I'm going to run. And so I take off running and bam, I get stung. And it hurts and, you know, at five, that's a big deal. Uh, the only redeeming thing was I knew that honeybees, after they sting you, what happens? They die. That's right. I'm going to hurt for a little bit, but you're going to be dead forever, bee. Right? <laughs> this, is what, this is what I would, <laughs> this is what I would, that's how I felt better about the, about the situation. So anyway, so that's my pathetic fear, uh, uh, greatest fear of all time, at least it was. Um, but anyways, back to the, the greatest fear of all time, sickness, death, right? Those are at the top of the list. And maybe drowning is a, is a, pretty, is a pretty scary way to die. So there's, so there's a picture, right? There's a, there's a famous picture. Probably you guys have seen it, and we'll show it in just a second. But it's of this lighthouse, right? And, it, and it's a scary... Probably a lighthouse keeper's most scary moment. It's a lighthouse off the coast of France uh, by the English Channel, uh, and I guess the winds come through there and they whip up some pretty some pretty nasty storms and some pretty nasty seas. And uh, well, I'll just show the picture, I guess. Oh, There we go. Have you guys seen this picture? How many people have seen this picture? Just a couple? Really? This is supposed to be like the most reproduced picture of all time, I guess. Not that, not that produced here. Anyways, I saw this at the coast the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, like insane, like to be that guy. Uh, that would be a crazy spot. So anyways, so, the, so I read up on the story, I looked it up, and I guess a, a giant wave had come to this lighthouse. This lighthouse is called La Joumont, uh, in France, um, and a giant wave had come and actually went over the top of the lighthouse, did some damage, uh, flooded the lighthouse, didn't, didn't hurt the lighthouse keeper, but he calls and says, hey, I need, uh, I need a lift. I need a ride out of here. This is crazy. Uh, so he calls the helicopter to come and pick him up, and then he hears the helicopter, right? Uh, but it's not his ride. It's a, it's a photographer who decided to rent a helicopter and come and take pictures of the crazy lighthouse getting blasted by these waves. And so he hears the helicopter and says, oh, that must be my ride, <laughs> So he opens the door, and he walks out, and he's wondering why the helicopter is like just sitting there. Hey, come get me. And he has no idea that this giant wave is wrapping itself around this lighthouse. And I guess the story goes that uh, he says if he was just a foot further out from that door, he wouldn't have been able to make it back in. Right? But he makes it back in. He obviously figures it out. And, uh, and he lives. So, hey, click through the rest of those photos. This is kind of a time lapse. Here's like the next second. He's like, oh, oh, crap, there's a wave coming. Run! And you can't really see him, but he's, I think he's still there. He's like, he's ducking, he's ducking inside. I think it's time to go. <laughs> right? If you're that guy. So, I would like to submit to you guys that there's only one other place more scary than where this guy is standing. Right? And where would that be? In the water, probably. And not just in the water, but but in a boat made, no, oh, let's say two thousand years ago. Right? Jesus' day. And that is where we find Jesus and the disciples in Mark chapter four, verse thirty five. Let's so open the Bibles. Let's uh, let's read this crazy about this crazy storm and crazy experience that the disciples had. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it's called, you know, Jesus calms the storm, is the title on there. Okay, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, it's Jesus, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Just a quick fun fact this is the only place, I read this this week, this is the only place in the Gospels that we see Jesus is sleeping. Essentially in a boat (laughs) in a hurricane, right? Just kicking back. Cool as a cucumber, apparently. Asleep. On the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? You know, great question. Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear or they were terrified, I think NIV says. And they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? I'm going to try to stop saying right. I listened to myself the other day preach, and I say right like a thousand times. So now that's going to distract you. Sorry. And me. (laughs) Maybe we should just quit. (laughs) Um, Okay, so what do we see? Why is the storm so scary? Right? Why is any storm so scary? It's merciless. It's unrelenting. Right? It's uncontrollable. It doesn't care who you are or what you're doing. It will swallow you whole without even thinking about it. Right? And, and it appears that it was swallowing their boat. Their, their boat is sinking. It's filled with water. And the disciples are moments away from swimming in that, in that awful scene. And Jesus says, right, why are you so afraid? Well, And they must have been like, what? Correct me if I'm wrong, but that was a very scary uh, storm. That was a very scary situation. And Jesus says, essentially, if you had faith that I am who I say I am, right, the Son of God, you would not be focused on the fear of the storm, but you would be focused on the bigger issue, There was a bigger issue there, a bigger fear, and that should have been the fear of God. Right now, we're getting around to the the fear of God. See, Jesus is bringing to light the idea that a greater fear will displace a lesser fear or a smaller fear. And let, let me illustrate this idea. If I was the lighthouse keeper and I was standing, At the step of that lighthouse, and there was a bee bothering me, right? Dang it, I said it again. And there was a bee bothering me. And I'm swatting at the bee, and I'm, you know, scared or something. You know, I don't want to get stung. Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, I realize that this giant wave is wrapping around the lighthouse. I'm going to stop being scared of the bee, and my fear will move to the giant stinking wave that's about to sweep me off that step and into the water. The fear of the bee has lost its power against me. It no, it no longer can, can control me because I've moved on to bigger fears. <laughs> giant wave. Uh, this is exactly what happened to the disciples panicked, freaked out. The storm is it's gonna sink our boat, we're gonna die. And then Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind, rebukes the waves, total calmness. And all of a sudden they go from panic to petrified, right? That, oh my gosh, if, the, if nature is so uncontrollable and so scary, what about the guy that can control the uncontrollable? And now they're terrified at who Jesus is. And believe it or not, that was actually a step in the right direction for the disciples. Because when we fear God, when the greatest fear of all time is the fear of God, no, we will fear nothing else. And that is why the Bible talks so much about the fear of God and actually the benefits, List the benefits of the fear of God. Right? There's, there's so many different passages on this. I was trying to find a couple uh, that would make my point, and I was just almost like over the top, like inundated with these passages. Let me just read a couple that I ended up picking, right? Proverbs is full of these. Proverbs has a ton of these, uh, these passages. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Those who fear the Lord will fear nothing else. We just alluded to that. The fear of the Lord will add length to life. It is a secure fortress for the one who fears and for his or her children. Fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord brings honor. The fear of the Lord should be praised when we see it. And my personal favorite, this comes from Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Dude, that's intense, right? (laughs) That is intense. And the last one I had was from Psalm. David wrote this. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Edward Welch wrote a book. He was the author of a book called When... uh, when people are big and God is small. And he's got a couple of chapters on the fear of the Lord. I think we've gone through it. Or somebody's gone through it around here. I read it a bunch of years ago. And he says the fear of the Lord or, or the fear of God is, is essentially not a static thing, but it's on a spectrum. Let's throw up uh, that, that next PowerPoint, Dave, if you would. I'm not going to bore you with a ton of PowerPoint slides, but I will bore you with one. Okay, so this is, this is my one boring PowerPoint slide. It starts with terror. The fear of God begins as terror, as dread, as trembling. And then it, you move across the spectrum and, and, and you end up at worship. Okay, so let's talk about this, this left side. When we, when we fear God and it, and it results in terror, that's most likely the, the, the case of us knowing our sinfulness And knowing or or contrasting that with God's holiness. And we only think of the wrath of God and we think he's coming for me. He's coming and I'm scared. And we have a tendency to to hide or to back away from God when when the fear of God terrifies us. I've been there. I've been on that that side. Let me just tell you from experience, you don't want to stay there. You you don't want to live there. It's kind of like, Salem. (laughs) It's a good place to be from. (laughs) I can say that because I live in beautiful, incredible, sunny Kaiser, Oregon. And we have a Chipotle now. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, that's right. Brian knows what's up. I just had that yesterday. It was awesome. Listen, if God terrifies you... (laughs) At least you're on the spectrum. But listen, we're not supposed to stay there. You you don't want to stay there. You want to move. You want to get get down the line here. And the way we do that, we end up being astonished and awed. but, But how does that happen? We end up seeing who God is. We end up hearing reports of who Jesus is. And we end up reading in the Bible these incredible things that are happening. This is what happened to the disciples They were amazed. They were were astonished at what they had seen. And they ultimately, they they ended up thinking, Jesus doesn't have power. Jesus is power. And he's only doing, or he's doing only what God can do, controlling nature. And it blows them away in astonishment. And they end up asking that, that crazy question, that awesome question, Who then is this? Such an important question, guys and girls. Who then is this? That that is an essential question, and there's multiple answers to this. I forget who wrote that book, but it's an old book. It's been around for decades. Lord, Liar, or Lunatic? I think that's the title, or at least that's the idea. And you you can... If you ask this question, who is this guy, Jesus? If you come up with the answer, he's a a lunatic or a liar, then this is a giant waste of our time. This means nothing, Okay, if that's that's the answer to that question. But if he's Lord, then we ought to investigate. We ought to try to find out who this God is. We ought to find out his nature, and namely, his mercy and his grace and His sacrifice, and His love. And once we understand that, once we see that, we will move along that spectrum, and we will get to the the place we want to be, which is trusting God, which is devoted to God, worshiping God. That is what we're shooting for. That is the the goal, is to move move along that spectrum. I read in a couple of commentaries, a couple of people said this, that Mark... Mark is full of stories that amaze people. Right, he heals a paralyzed guy, uh, and, and the paralyzed guy gets up and walks out, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it! Did you see that? He was paralyzed. He just walked. I can't believe it. That was amazing." He uh, in chapter five, he goes to a guy that's just absolutely nuts just completely off his rocker, mentally crazy and wild, and you can't even hold him down, or chains won't even uh, hold, him, hold him back. And Jesus walks up to this guy, calls an evil spirit out of him. The guy sits down, and he's perfectly normal again. And people are like, oh my gosh, did you see that? That was insane. And he calms the storm. Like, there's all kinds of amazing, astonishing things that are happening in the book of Mark, but there's not a ton of, of examples of someone at the end of the spectrum, somebody who's just fully devoted, fully trusting and fully worshiping God in the book of Mark, except for one. And that is the story of the chronically ill woman. I don't know if you guys have have, uh, have read this story. I don't think we have a, a ton of time. I don't have time to read it. Let me just, let me just tell it to you. Chapter 5, uh, verse 25, I think is what I wrote down. There's this story of this woman, and, and she's ill. She's been ill for 12 years. She's bleeding. Right? She's got this, this bleeding disorder, and it's, it's humiliating. And, and, and her life is marked by shame, uh, disgust. People, people are disgusted by her. Uh, and she's seen every doctor she can. She spent every dollar she has trying to get well, and she's only gotten worse, and she's, she's desperate, and she hears the reports of Jesus and what he's doing and the, and the things that he's or the people that he's healing, and she says, I got to go. I got to find him, and she finds Jesus. He's in a crowd, and she has to overcome this, this fear because People don't like this woman. They don't want to be next to her. I guess she's un- her condition makes her unclean. And if you touch her, you would be unclean. So just being in public is, is a big deal. But she goes and she finds this crowd and she, and she claws her way through this crowd. And while she's clawing her way through the crowd, she says, if I could only touch his garments, if I just could grab his clothes and just get a, a piece of his clothes, he's so powerful, I would be healed. And she goes and she, and she crawls through these people and goes up behind him and reaches out and she snags a piece of his garment and instantly she's healed. And Jesus feels this, this power go out of him. And he's like, what just happened? Who just touched me? And, and he's looking at his disciples and they're like, are you kidding me? There's a ton of people around you. A ton of people just touched you. And he's like, no, someone just touched me. I, I felt power go out of me. I want to find this woman. I need to know her. And he keeps looking for her and she eventually falls at his feet, trembling in fear of, uh, not of her situation, but of who Jesus is and the power that he is. And Jesus, or she confesses that she just touched him and Jesus looks at her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is an incredible story that exemplifies the, the idea of, of, of fearing God. Despite this woman's shame, despite her, her embarrassment, her humiliation, despite what people would think, she doesn't care at any cost. She doesn't care what the consequences are. She's going after Jesus. She's relentlessly pursuing Jesus, and she knows with, with all confidence that if she just touched his clothes, she would be made healed. And then she falls at his feet, and it's clear she's scared. She's terrified, trembling and shaking. And Jesus looks at her, and he calls her her life and her fear of God. He says, this is faith. This is faith. He doesn't condemn her for the fear that she had. This is an incredible example of what it looks like to have faith in the midst of our storms. Our storms in life that can take so many shapes. It doesn't doesn't take much to think of these storms. That's not the only examples we have. We've got examples in our church. Guys, we've got people here that are going through horrific storms. Awful stuff. We have marriages And we have families being ripped apart by divorce and by death. And let me just say that the greatest thing about being a part of this church is we get to come around these people and we get to support them. And we get to try to encourage them as they're going through the midst of the storm. But sometimes you go to encourage some of these people and it's crazy. You end up seeing Jesus through them. You end up seeing the relentless pursuit of Jesus and and the perfect example of faith as people cling to Him in in the middle of these situations. And I end up trying to encourage, but I end up leaving encouraged. I am I end up being the one that ends up being encouraged. And I want to tell you about a specific example, not, not of someone who goes to this church. He's too sick to make it to church. He's a guy that lives down the street from me that I've known for probably a year, maybe maybe just less. His name is Tim as well. Actually, I actually have a picture of, uh, of Tim and, and Henry and I I wanted to show. There's us hanging out. Tim is uh, in the midst of a storm. Tim was, uh, he actually went to Portland State at the same time as me. We're about the same age. Tim uh, is an incredibly smart guy. Uh, he, he studied biology. I think he's been published a few times. He, he was showing me pictures last time I was down of him traveling the world and um, talking to people about, uh, about biology, I think. Uh, and then six years ago, I think, 2009, he ended up getting stricken with... Um, I wrote it down because I knew I'd forget. Trigeminal neuralgia. That's something I've never heard of. I don't know if you guys have. Trigeminal neuralgia is like a nerve disease in the brain, and it shoots pain through through your face, and it's horrific pain, I guess. Some of the worst pain people experience. And this started happening to Tim, and, he, and, and it was so bad he can't think. He, he's, he becomes weak, and, and he had brain surgeries to try to try to correct this, but it, it doesn't appear to be helping. He's still very, very sick. And so one day, Henry and I go down to, to hang out with Tim and to, to support Tim because he can't get out. He can't even get to my house. I live four houses down from Tim, and, and Tim lives with his mom who, who helps take care of him. And at the end of our time together, after hanging out and just talking, Tim, uh, I, I usually pray for Tim or pray, pray with Tim, pray for Tim. But this time, Tim wanted to pray for me. And I was like, "Ah, man, I should pray for you. But I said, go ahead, Tim, that's fine. That'd be great. That's awesome. And so Tim starts praying. He prays for me. He prays for this and the other thing. And, and then he says some stuff that got my attention okay, in this prayer. And Tim his voice is very soft He has a hard time speaking Because this disorder has made his, his His whole body is weak Even talking is a struggle for him Tim starts Tim starts praying Or, 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 or Tim prays and, and he says this thing He says uh, Jesus Life is so unfair And I think Oh man this is heartbreaking This is so sad He's feeling, he's feeling bad about his, his situation. He says, we don't deserve this. I was thinking, oh man, he's going to get upset with God right in front of me. right?" And, 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 and my heart is going to break. I'm not going to be able to handle it. And then, and then he says, our life is so unfair. We don't deserve the grace and the mercy that you've blessed us with. After everything we've done to you, that you would forgive us of our sins is amazing. And and I thank you for this. And dude, I was sitting there. I actually, after this, I I went and and put some notes in my phone because I was completely blown away. And I did not expect him to go there. But I was thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is thanking God for his situation this guy is praising God for how awesome he is and for the, for the blessing of forgiveness and mercy and grace. Holy cow, how does this happen? And, and then he ends this incredible prayer by calling God his healer and his redeemer. Tim's boat is sinking. Tim's storm is not calmed. Okay, like some of the stories that we've heard, Tim is still in the midst of this storm, fighting it out every day. And somehow he has, he has this incredible faith in Jesus. And I, I was trying to answer, like how does, how does someone have faith like this? Where does this faith come from? And I got two Two answers. Number one, the first place that this faith faith comes from is Jesus. Jesus is not just the the provider. Excuse me. Jesus is not just the object of faith, but he's the provider of faith. And he invites us to ask him for it. Right? That verse, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. He wants us to ask him For this faith, this incredible faith that that Tim had. And the second thing, uh, the second conclusion I came to is that the fear that Tim had of his situation, of his sickness and his death, was displaced by the fear of God. And that fear of God led him to the love of God. Right? He made it to the end of that spectrum. And now he has incredible faith. And the question I want to try to answer in just a few minutes here is, how can we know the love of God? Tim Keller says that this story in Mark, the story of the storm, is deliberately written to parallel another story, the story of Jonah. Jesus and Jonah are both in a boat. Jesus and Jonah, uh, their boats are both overtaken by an incredible storm. Jesus and Jonah are both asleep in the boat, and the sailors in their boat are terrified. And at the end, we find that the storms are miraculously calmed. The difference in the stories are, Jonah wakes up and he tells the sailors, you got to throw me overboard, I must perish so that you can survive. I must die so that you may live. That's different than the story we read in Mark, right? Maybe not. If you take a step back and you read the whole book of Mark, what you find is Jesus was thrown into a storm. That God sent his son Jesus to die so that we may live. And it wasn't until the winds and the waves of sin and death carried Jesus off that the wrath of God was fully satisfied and that the ultimate storm was calmed. Keller says if you you see this image of Jesus bowing his head into that storm, if this, if this image is burned into the core of your being, you will never ask God in the midst of a storm, don't you care? Because you will know that he cares and he, you will know that he loves you. He sent his son for you. And the storms in life, however devastating, however scary they may be, will not have the power over us they once did. This is incredible news, guys. This is great news. Why? Because we know storms are coming. Financial storms, death, loss. We know that they're coming, and this gives us hope that those that those storms won't wreck us. Let me just close with this. There, there's a, uh, a line in the middle of Amazing Grace, I think the se- second verse that says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved." And we're gonna, we're gonna sing that song in just a minute. But listen, this is, if the greatest fear Of all time is the fear of God that will that has to lead to the love of God which will relieve your fears. Let's pray. God, we ask you to put the fear of you in us. We've read of the benefits of fearing God and and not just a terror fear, but a worship fear. God, move us along that spectrum. Amaze us, astonish us. Show us your love. Please, God. Life is so unfair. We don't deserve the mercy and the grace that you've shown us. This is, this is so incredible that we get to enjoy the, the fruits of that. And we're so thankful, God, for, for you sending your son, Jesus, Jesus so that we can experience that. God, help our our lives be be marked by this. And and I just pray that the storms, the the everyday storms that we're going through, God, would would not have the power over us that they once had. I I don't want to pretend that these storms won't affect us. We're not robots. They do, and, and... and I pray that our church would come around people who, who, are, who are going through these storms. God, but you, you take away those fears and you, and you help us get through them. God, we ask this in your name, amen.